0: pray that as we transition now into the the speaking I pray that you will be stirring our hearts and that we may hear from you tonight in Jesus name amen and as you guys are being seated I want to turn your attention to the screens because we have a video for you
1: Hey, what's up, y'all? Pastor Isaac here. I am really bummed that I can't be with you tonight at the table. Um, I'm actually visiting my family here in Texas. You can actually hear some of the birds uh, behind me. I promise you I'm not just piping in uh, fake bird noises. Those are real. Um, But man, while I'm out, I am beyond excited and honored to have our special guest with us tonight, Doug Hankins or as I like to call him, uh, the right Reverend Dr. Douglas James, Dougie Fresh Hankins II. second. Uh, for some of you like me, you know Doug incredibly well and you know that Doug is actually the founding pastor of the table. Um, but for some, you don't know Doug and you're getting to meet him tonight for the first time. Um, but we're going to be continuing in our message series called Messy Church, uh, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And as we're going through this letter, Paul has this line that he says a few different times in the letter where he says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ and as I just think personally in my life of who's on the Mount Rushmore of my life of people that have loved me of people that have cared for me um, as well as who's living their life in a way where they're following Jesus with so much conviction um, and passion and integration that they're living a life worth imitating and I can't not think of Doug so again I'm really bummed that I'm not able to be there tonight but I am so excited uh, for you just to get to hear from Doug tonight but first it's time to set the table Yes, 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 yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet, I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet, I'm glad that you could make it. And these are questions I ask myself when I question myself. Well, hello,
0: Table fam, how are we doing tonight? Man, that's been about... Some of you don't know this, that's been about two years since I've said this. It's really kind of having like a like when you wake up from a fever dream and you're like, whoa, did this really happen? That's kind of what I am. This, you should know this. Uh, coming to be with you here tonight, is it's a dream for me. And so I'm really glad to be here. If you have Bibles, go ahead and open them to 1 Corinthians, as Isaac mentioned. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And um, let me just uh, set up the morning, or I'm sorry, set up the evening. I've been preaching in North Carolina for the last uh, two years, and so I'm only preaching in the morning. This is the first time I've preached in the evening. Uh, and um, I'm old, I'm 40, I'm about to turn 41. I have two kids, Grace and James. Uh, we live in the suburbs of Orlando. Uh, so I was joking around like, t- just to get here tonight, I had to you know, take some Metamucil and uh, you know uh, make sure that I you know, put on my glasses because I, you know, I can't drive at night anymore because I'm just an old person. You guys are all young, beautiful, smart, amazing people and to come gather with you. I had to throw on a t-shirt um, and I had to, apparently y'all are wearing white shoes now. Do y'all know about this? Do you know about this white shoes thing? Um, When I got here six years ago, everyone was wearing black shoes, like black skaters, but now everyone's wearing white shoes with no socks. Do you know about this thing? Look at this, there's the no socks thing going on. Maybe this is just grossing you out because we don't have a relationship. I'm just letting you know my mind is boggled by all of this fashion change that's going on in Orlando, uh, and I'm saying it out loud. First Corinthians three. Uh, Let me jump in here Uh, and I'll tell you this story because again, some of you don't know me. Um, So uh, I'm from Texas, Um, that's where Isaac and I got to meet. And um, I was living in Texas a uh, a little over a decade ago when blogging was a thing. Show of hands, if you remember blogging, do we remember blogging? Okay, all the older people in here remember this. Blogging was like what TikTok is now, but with words, Uh, right? (laughs) So, blogging was this platform that was going to revolutionize the internet. You could go on, you could have your own blog, and you could write, like, 500 words or 1,000 words, whatever. And people would like and subscribe to your blog. And I had a blog back in the day, DougHankins.com. And so... I started blogging, all my friends were blogging, I had just finished up PhD work and they said you know, after you publish a couple books, create a blog and people will read your books and they'll go to your blog and this will increase your speaking things and all the deals and so I was playing that whole game and I started blogging and I remember most of the posts that I would write would get, I don't know, you know, 500 views, 1000 views, something like that. Until this one day in 2013. When I wrote this one blog post, it was actually a longer form blog post, and I put it out into the ether. and I kind of just, you know, went about my day or whatever, and I would always, my routine was to wake up the next morning, check the blog statistics on the back end just to see how many clicks, what was going on, Uh, and the post that I had done the day before hit 350,000 views, yes, let that sink in, 350,000 views. The reason I knew that something was up is because I started getting all these text messages from all these people from all over the world saying, hey, is this your blog? I saw your picture. This is your blog, right? I just read your article. My parents who lived in another part of the state, they're... Kids who are at college were sharing my post on their social media and it had gotten back to them. People I hadn't talked to in 10 years like, hey, Doug, this is Bubba from second grade. I just read your blog post and I just wanted to tell you, you did a good job, man. And I was just like, well, okay, thanks, Bubba. And we haven't talked in a while, right? It was just crazy. My professors were calling me telling me they were so proud of me. 350,000 views of this blog post that just went viral. It was crazy. The next day, a conservative talk show called me and was like hey we think you have a fresh voice will you come be a guest speaker on this conservative talk show on this radio program and so I'm driving to this radio station early in the morning and this guy's interviewing me as if I'm some kind of expert and I'm just like what is going on here and then the local paper of my town said can we take your blog post and can we feature it as the Sunday front page deal the editorial because we think everybody in town should read it so another 200,000 people read my blog post, this little blog post that I just wrote on a Tuesday was now this big thing. And something really interesting happened at the end of that whole ordeal. I sat down on a Sunday evening looking in all these views, responding to all these text messages, all these emails, and this thought popped in my head. And maybe it's a thought you've thought of before here, but it was this thought right here in my brain. How do I follow this up? You guys know what I mean? Like, This was a lot of attention, a lot of likes. I feel a lot of pressure to produce something like this again. I have no idea how I produced this, but this was a thing. It was a moment. And... Uh, I needed a second act here. How was I going to get more likes? And so what did I do that Monday? I just wrote a blog post that was entitled, Responding to My Previous Blog Post, right? And I just was talking about what happened and what I was thinking through this. And it got, I don't know, a couple, 10, 20,000, whatever views, because now people were watching me and my subscribers had grown. And so they were, re- they were watching what I did. And it put me into this mode that you remember if you were looking at blogging, where I had to I had to keep raising the stakes to get more people and really just to maintain the people who were there. I was monitoring my subscriber base and I was monitoring the people who were clicking and looking at all the demographics of where they were coming from. I was trying to customize my content to who my readers were and I felt this immeasurable pressure on myself to keep performing to the level that I had found myself at. I had all this pressure to maintain the likes. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but my suspicion is some of us here today have felt something like that. Maybe it's not in blogging, but maybe it's on your social media profile. You post a picture, you get a lot of likes, you get a lot of comments, people are sliding into your DMs in good ways, right? And they're just like, man, that was really good. And you go, oh, this is what my audience likes. And so you feel the need to keep putting this content out here. And after a while, after 20 posts, after 30 posts, after 40 posts, you start to develop imposter syndrome. You're like, I don't know if I can possibly keep this up. Or maybe you are used to walking into a crowd like this, dressing a certain way, and having people look at you going, hmm, like that, and you kind of like all that attention, and so you keep finding yourself at H&M, or at The Gap, or wherever young people shop now, maybe it's Goodwill, I don't know, the 90s are back, so you guys are just all buying all my old clothes that I gave to Goodwill, you're wearing it now, but it looks better on you than it did me, because y'all are better looking than I ever was, right, but you're wearing all this stuff, and you keep constantly buying these outfits, hoping when you show up to the next room, everybody is looking at you because you need that attention and you need that affection from people and you find yourself how can I possibly top this maybe you're the person who goes to your small group you go to your little deal and you're always talking a little bit louder sharing a more and more crazy story uh, uh, trying to top the person down you just trying to one-up one another and you have found that this whole thing of trying to keep up with the likes it's exhausting because who can possibly maintain that burden well The Apostle Paul, when he is writing to this church in Corinth, This church that's in a metropolitan city uh, in Central Asia, a a shipping community where there's a lot of different cultures blending together. He is addressing this same phenomena. We may think because of the digital age that this is something new that's happened. And actually, no, this has been a problem since the beginning of time. It's a problem that the Corinthian church is dealing with here. It's the problem of how do I possibly maintain this identity that I've created for myself and get the affection that I think I need from other people 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 are struggling with this in the early church we're struggling with it today and Paul wants us to know there's good news there's a remedy for this issue this weightiness that we all experience it's in first corinthians 3 and so I invite you to read with me I'm reading from the english standard version here first corinthians 3 I'm going to start actually in verse 4 Paul writes this for when one says I follow Paul And another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. And verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one... Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Verse 18, hang with me here, table. Let no one deceive himself or herself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise, for the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. I want to work through this text, if you guys are okay with it, in three ways. Three things I want you to just observe in this text, and I'll go ahead and tell you way up front. The first is, I want you to notice how humans will let you down. The second thing I want you to notice is how God builds you up. And the third thing I want you to notice is how much we have in Jesus Christ. Let's go through it together. The first is this, I want you to notice how humans will let you down. Paul writes here at the very beginning in verse four, for when one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? Well, what's going on here? There apparently in the early church was this thing where you would have these followers, kind of a patronage system, if you understand what that means. There would be these kind of mega church personalities who would naturally emerge to the top of this group of uh, network of uh, house churches there. And so some of these people, because Paul was the one who was regularly preaching and ministering to them, he was going to coffee, he was having one on ones, he was buying them Chick fil A, right? They were meeting at the Mall Millennia with Paul. They're like, yo, Paul's my guy, right? Paul is my dude. I'm going to be with Paul, ride or die. That's how we roll La Familia, right? Fast and Furious, we get cars, we go on uh, elaborate uh, hijacking of things together. It's me and Paul, it's Paul Walker, that's who it is. It's me and it's Paul and we're together and that's my guy, right? And there's this whole other crowd of these churches. They're like, no, man, Apollos. Apollos is my guy. Apollos preaches to me. He takes me out to Chick-fil-A. He actually gets me Chipotle. Paul's too stingy for Chipotle, but Apollos gets me Chipotle, and that's how we roll, and that's my guy, and he's the one who baptized me, and... Right, and then there's these other people because there's other leaders in the church and Paul and Apollos are just two that are talking about here and for whatever reason, there kind of just becomes kind of this competitive thing going on here where these people find this matter of disunity that's going on based on who their megachurch pastor is. And I know nothing like that happens today, right? <laughs> you guys are like, what podcast do you listen to? And they're like, Furtick. I listen to Furtick. That's my guy. And like, Psh, Furtick isn't charismatic enough, right? There's this new guy I'm not even going to mention his name. His last name is just the Tetragrammatron, right? And he is really in the spirit, and I listen to him. And you're like, oh, you only listen to guys? I listen to girls, right? It's just Christine Cain. It's the Christine Kane podcast with Sadie Robertson all the time. That's who I'm listening to. And if you only listen to guys, oh. Uh, and it's just this competitiveness that's happening here. What is possibly going on here? Why are these people so obsessed with these Christian celebrities that's going on because it's not just that they it's not just that they know about them They're not saying I attend this church. They're saying I follow what is going on with I follow Followship here, I want you to notice, it's, it's really two things. It's I, it's very personalized, and there's an issue of followship. I, me, am finding my identity in this megachurch pastor celebrity leader that I'm a part of. I, I'm, I'm liking and subscribing to their ministry. This is the, I'm identifying myself over and against every other pastor that's out there by this person right here. It's an identity issue. It's an idolatry issue. And it's an idolatry of self. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The idolatry of identity. Have you guys ever heard about this? It's a phenomenon. We won't, those are theological terms, but in popular psychological research right now, there's a phenomenon and we don't have a printer right now. So I'm having to read off my phone. So bear with me and I'm old. So I need glasses. Uh, It's a phenomenon that psychologists have been talking about actually since the fifties. And there's a really interesting article uh, that I read about uh, here recently and a, uh, Uh, um, a website Uh, it's called currentaffairs.org it's a really interesting website that just talks about current things going on it's a phenomenon called a parasocial relationship and here's what it says Uh, a parasocial relationship is a one-sided relationship where one party extends emotional energy interest and time while the other party stays blissfully unaware of their existence okay Psychologists Donald Horton and Richard Wall in 1956 uh, conducted a a study and concluded that people who consume mass media such as radio, television, and movies, we can say social media, we can add that to the list, developed feelings of intimacy towards performers which were analogs to the feelings they had for people they knew in real life. Y'all, here's what's going on with the influencer culture we have today. And it's even the celebrity pastor, although I don't know that the celebrity pastors are, are as complicit in this as the influencers are today. Here's what's going on. I'm an influencer. I have a brand. I'm, a, you know, into this one kind of brand. And I am specifically trying to get likes and subscribes through whatever platform I want. And so I am turning on my phone and talking to you. Hey, guys, today I was just washing my hair and I was just thinking about existence and I wonder if you ever thought about that as well. And so we get on our Instagram or whatever and the little thing lights up and so we just sit down like we're having a chat with one of our friends and they're just talking to us in long form monologue and we're just watching, we have nothing else to do, we're just watching this in the bathtub while we drink something, right? Because that's how our friendship is with this Instagram influencer that we're watching right now. And they casually just mention that the kind of soap that they're using right now is Dove soap because Dove soap Floats, and it's just so natural, and it has a caramel vanilla extract in it that goes on your skin. It just makes it feel so good, but the way they talk about it is like, I just am using this Dove soap, and it's just so good, and we're sitting there in the bathtub as we're watching this. Obviously, I'm talking about the guys here, right? Uh, we're just watching this, fellas, right? Are we not? We're just like, yeah, man, I'm just using like Pantene for my skin, right? Just head and shoulders for the whole body. It's conditioner and shampoo, but just everywhere because soap is soap, but maybe I've been wrong about this and I got to think about my man skin and this influencer girl that I'm watching here, she says I should use Dove and so now I'm like looking at the budget I'm like can I afford Dove? Is that a thing? Do me and my roommates need to go in with some Dove to try to make that happen and so next thing you know we're at the Walmart in the pickup order line and all we need is one item. We just need one item and so we go to the pickup line to get our one item because it's convenient because I've got to play Wordle that day and I can't get out of my car and walk through Walmart. I'm not a person of Walmart. And so I'm just in there in the checkout line in the little curbside thing. And the person, the lady comes up and she says, is this your order? And you're like, yeah, that is my order. Because I was watching an Instagram influencer and she said that I need some dove soap with some caramel vanilla extract in it because it's going to make my man skin look good. And she's like, okay, here you go, weirdo. And you're like, okay, right? And so then you take it home and you get the bubble bath situation. It's hot water. It's not too hot. It's not too warm. It's just right. Just like the Bernstein Bears or the three bears in Goldilocks set or whatever. And you just take the, and you, up in the, you rip the little the childproof thing uh, with your teeth and you, you squirt in there and you get ah, uh, so good you just love soaking your vanilla caramel extract dove body bath soap thing and then all of a sudden you get a notification and it's the instagram influencer and you're like oh what oracle of delphi does she have for me today and you open it up and you're looking at it, and you're like, she's like, oh, guys, I had a much better day today. It was probably because of my Dove vanilla extract caramel bath that I took yesterday. And you're like, check. Yes, life hack. I've got that. And so you're just sitting there. You're having a moment with your Instagram influencer. And she's like, what I want to tell you about today is these headphones. And they're these noise-canceling headphones. And I like to wear them in the bath. And you're like, dang it. I've got to save for a month for that now. But I can take a bubble bath every day of that month because I've saved for this. So yeah, that's my next thing. And notice what's happened here. You have developed this whole relationship with someone who doesn't know you exist so that they can tell you about products they want you to buy so that they can get 10% on the back end This is a parasocial relationship that we have with digital people all the time. We're all participating in catfishing, all of us. And we're like, that's okay, I'll be catfished as long as I get my dove soap with the caramel vanilla extract and I have that moment at night, it's part of my shutdown rhythm at night, I just gotta look at my Instagram influencer and buy the stuff that she wants so I can keep Walmart in business and the deal. Right, but notice what's happening there. One person doesn't know the other person exists. The other person finds their identity in being a follower of that person. That person benefits off of this relationship. This person thinks they benefit off this relationship. It's a completely selfish thing here. It's also a completely selfish thing here. Why? Because I get to go to work the next day and go, bros. I know we're out here in the construction site talking about manly things. But let me just tell you, some of you need to up your bath time game, because it sounds and smells like some of you guys are using the Pantene everywhere. (laughs) But let me tell you about this life hack I just learned from my friend, definitely not an Instagram influencer, definitely a real person that's a friend. She's a model in Canada. And uh, right, and you get to go and have that social value of telling you about that. But what's going on here? It's a completely one-sided relationship. That person benefits off of you You get to find your identity in them. And they know it and they prey upon it. It's part of their business model. This is what's happening in Paul's time in Corinth. There um, There are these people who are false teachers out there who are trying to get people to follow them. And Christians in the church, they don't know any better, and so they just take this same really wicked approach, and they apply it to Paul, and they apply it to Paulos. And Paul, when he writes, goes, hey, no, 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 me and Apollos, we are not part of this game. Do not follow us. Why? Because human beings will inevitably let you down at some point. In reality, almost all human relationships apart from God are parasocial relationships where one person... Is completely passive and the other person is completely active and the one person benefits off of it to the detriment of the other and the one person is completely selfish hoping that the other person will find their identity and self-worth in the other person and Paul says I want no part of that and even as I describe this today my suspicion is that some of you in the room are thinking through some of your relationships and it sounds a lot like these Instagram relationships. Maybe it's the, the boyfriend or the girlfriend you've been kind of with for a little bit. And it really does seem one-sided. It seems really transactional. Seems really selfish. Or maybe it's the friends you're a part of where they let you be a part of their thing for a little bit when they like you. But then sometimes they exclude you. And you're just like, man, what's going on? Paul is saying, keep in mind, humans, all of them apart from Christ, will let you down But notice this, I want you to also notice that God is someone who will build you up. Paul spins between verse 5 and verse 18, verse 17, using a series of very complicated analogies. First he says this, remember that you are a building, you're God's building. And then he says, I want you to remember that there's a foundation that's building, and it is Jesus Christ. And then he says, in this building where the foundation is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is all within you. It's the air conditioning system. Just keeping things cool inside. It's the very breath that comes inside of you and goes out. But I want you to keep this in mind. This is what God has done for those of us who are in Christ. He is building you up. He has made you into a building with Christ as your foundation and the Holy Spirit inside of you to be the air conditioning, to be the spirit, the breath in your lungs. And you are this magnificent building that he has built. You are." made in his image. Paul has in mind Genesis 127 when God creates everything in the Old Testament and says, let's make them in my image. When God created all of us in this room, he created all of us in his image. If there's one thing that uh, that most reflects who God is. It's everybody in this room. You are God's building. And if you are here today, Christ is your foundation and the Holy Spirit is inside of you. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is your, uh, it's your air conditioning. It's your breath system. And it is this beautiful, amazing, majestic building, each and every one of you. We just moved back here to Orlando. We were in a small town in North Carolina. And um, when we were driving through on I-4 going south, but actually it's southwest, yeah, okay, all the street things confuse me, we had downtown just to our left, and I, my daughter just said this amazing thing, she goes, I love downtown, it's just full of these beautiful buildings, and at nighttime when all the lights are on, it looks like the universe, right? <laughs> She just is just amazed. And every time we get on the 408 and we're driving through, she's like, look, there's downtown. I just love downtown. It's just so beautiful. And every time she looks at downtown, she sees all these buildings. They're just so beautiful. Can I tell you that when God looks at each of you, he says, these are the people I made in my image. They are beautiful. And I see Christ as the foundation and the Holy Spirit I put inside of those who believe in Christ to be the air conditioning, to be the very breath, the very words of their being. Paul is saying, don't follow people who will let you down. Recognize that you are God's creation and he made you beautiful as you are. You don't need to follow other people to get any uh, any kind of self-worth. There is uh, another interesting thing I was reading. One thing you should know about me is I'm a huge nerd. Okay, Uh, people who know me, DB, I'm a huge nerd? Yeah, Yeah. okay, right? And that's, there's no shade there, right? I'm just, I'm a nerd, right? Josh, I'm a huge nerd? Yeah, Yeah, facts, okay. Anybody over here that I know, I can't see. Is there anybody over here that I know? Jill, I'm a huge nerd? Yeah, Yeah. okay, great. Right, I'm a huge nerd. I like to read stuff, I'm curious. I'm just like, man, I wonder about this. And so um, I have a fascination with film and cinema and there's this really interesting kind of criticism within film and cinema studies called cinema as mirror and Um, I forgot it. Cinema, uh, cinema, I'm getting old here. Cinema as mirror and face. I'm sorry. Cinema as mirror and face. You guys seen this or y'all? No? Okay, let me tell you about it. So basically, the argument is uh, social scientists are trying to figure out why human beings love going to the movies right? Movies were a brand new thing, moving pictures in the early part of the 20th century and human beings would flock and they would just sit there and as long as the projector would roll they would just like watch the screen and they'd be like, oh man, and they thought first maybe it's the lights because this was a new electricity kind of thing or maybe when sound became a thing it was a sound thing or they're moving pictures, they loved the animation, but what scientists have come to believe is that human beings need a mirror and they need a face in their life, Human beings need other people. They need a set of eyeballs. They need that. And really, they need it for, to, to receive two types of um, responsive stimuli back in them. They need a mirror that they can look at to, com- to just bounce back and communicate something to them to reflect their external quality. Okay? And they need a face, something with eyeballs, to be like a counselor who can reflect back to them their internal qualities. And so the reason that people like going to the movies, the reason people like looking at a screen on a phone, and watch the reason you like to binge watch Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or whatever, the reason you like to get on TikTok and just scroll through and scroll through and scroll through and you watch these is because moving pictures actually function as both a mirror and as a face to us, and they are reflecting some realities about who we are both externally and internally. Um, Just a little bet here. You can just think about right now your favorite movies of all time. Just think about it. You don't have to say them out loud, but favorite movies of all time, right? There is a very high likelihood that part of the reason you like that movie is because it reflects something to be true about you. And the reason you watch it over and over again is because um, it either reflects something to be true about you or something you wish would be true about yourself. And what Paul is saying right here is is that you are God's building And when he looks at you, he is both mirror and face giving you an honest reflection about who you are externally and about who you are internally. You are loved. You are made in his image. You have everything you need. And therefore, you don't need to lower yourself to getting your identity and your affirmation after following other human beings who are buildings made in his image it's almost like what God's saying is hey listen I created all this stuff don't just look at other people don't look around and compare and be like oh I'm not like that person anymore look up look at me I created you and it's like cool God we get that we get that you created us but man have you seen her she's really pretty he's like no no no, no, you're really pretty I made you like like uh, I'm the most beautiful thing in the universe and he's like okay that's cool God but I don't know have you seen him over there and he's like "No, no don't do this right this is his whole thing look you're beautiful you're buildings you're downtown Orlando You are beautiful and he's made you in his image and God's going to build you up because you were made in his image. Finally, what I want you to notice is I want you to notice how much we have in Christ. The very last line here in chapter three says this, whether Paul or Apollos, Cephas, the world or life or death or present or the future, in other words, everything, when you look at everything there is to know in the universe, I want you to notice this truth. All are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's what does that mean it means everything that you really need in this world it's all yours if you are a follower of Christ because Christ is in God Christ is God and he is in God And so if you have Jesus, you actually have everything you need, including your identity and your sense of meaning and your sense of purpose. You have the best reflection you ever need about who you are. If you ever wonder the question, God, do I have what it takes to make it in this world? And you ask other people, they're going to give you varied answers. But if you go to God who made you in his image, he's going to tell you yes, because you have me and I'm all that you need. And by the way, I have everything. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms, over and over again it says this, but they'll say God has cattle on a thousand hills. I don't know if any of you know any cattle farmers. Anybody in here know a lot of cattle farmers, right? Anybody from Brazil? There's a lot of cattle farmers in Brazil. Okay, cool, right? Cattle farmers, if you have a whole, a whole herd of cattle, you have uh, stuff to make leather with, you have stuff to make milk and cheeses with, and you have the most important thing, which is called Beef right? Beef to eat and to cook. I'm sorry, vegetarians and vegans. You also have tofu. I don't know, right? I don't don't know how that works, right? Uh, But that's okay. If you're vegan, that's totally cool. I love you. More power to you. Enjoy that. Um, Right? But you have meat, and especially in that society, you have meat, and you have leather, and you have everything that you need, and cattle. And God has cattle on a thousand hills. God has so much. It's basically a metaphor to say God has everything. And so if you have Christ, you have everything that you need, because Christ is in God. Let me just do this comparison here. What the world is going to tell us about who we are when it acts as mirror and face. The world is going to say, you need to find yourself in other people. Follow other people. Be like other people. Enter into this parasocial relationship. Why? Because you'll get to see yourself in them and you'll benefit from being associated with them and they'll mainly benefit, but you'll benefit a little bit. This is what, this is the best you can hope for in this world. What the gospel says is this. Find your identity in Christ. Notice the comparison. When you find your identity in Christ, Christ doesn't take things from you. He gives you everything. When you find your identity in Christ, you don't see yourself in him. He puts himself into you. When you find your identity in Christ, There isn't a passive relationship. It is an openly active relationship where Christ loves you and meets with you and spends his time with you and spends his life on you. It is the inverse of an influencer relationship. It is the good news we have in Jesus. And God says, or Paul says, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need for meaning. And so I wanna bring this to one big idea here and one application point. Here's the big idea. Big idea is this. Don't find your identity in people find your identity in Jesus. And that seems pretty straightforward from the text. You go, okay, that's okay. I'll take that. That's good. But let me tell you why. And here's the application. And let's apply this to relationships. Here's the big application. Relationships are gifts. They are not gods. Relationships are gifts. They are not gods. Relationships make great gifts. They make very poor gods. And the reason I say this is because it is very easy in human history for you to see a relationship as not just a gift that comes from God, but actually the God itself. And so therefore you get it and you find your identity in it and you hope you get all your value out of it and you keep using this relationship to be a mirror and a face for you to tell me, tell me about my worth relationship, tell me about my worth. And by the way, it's a struggle all throughout uh, human relationships. And let me show you how, Okay. Early on in human history, we have friends and we have dating relationships, okay? So I would imagine most of y'all in here are in some kind of friend and dating relationship. Some of you are married here and you understand what this is, right? You have your group of friends and before you meet your group of friends, you probably have experienced this. You're like, man, I just feel lost in the world. I don't have any community. I don't have any sense of belonging. That's why we have groups here at First Orlando and at the table for you to join so you can find your sense of belonging. Just a little plug for groups. But you can remember this. You got to middle school. You got to high school. You got to wherever. You got to college. got to your career. You got to military, whatever. And you're like, you're calling home. You're like, mom, dad, I haven't found friends. I haven't found friends. I haven't found friends. And you probably would describe your life as pretty lonely. You go home. You're like, man, I don't have any friends, I'm going to have to go to Walmart and get some Dove body wash with caramel vanilla extract, just sit in that bathtub and cry, right? Because this influencer told me that's what I should do. And that's all you're doing. You're just sitting in your Dove body wash bath, sad, crying. And then all of a sudden, remember that time you found your first group of friends? Your whole world changed. You're like, yeah, man. You wake up in the morning. You're like putting on some positive music. You're like, yeah, I'm hanging with the squad later. We're going out. This is going to be awesome. We're doing trivia night. We're going out later. We're playing some ultimate Frisbee. We're going to the mall. We're going shopping we're all sitting around in a coffee shop getting on Amazon and we're shopping I don't know how you guys shop today but that's just how I did it when I was growing up because we didn't have Amazon right and you have your squad and it's like your whole mood lifts why? because once you find a group of friends you, it's inevitable you start to find your identity in that group I am no longer an individual I am a member of this group I find my identity I find my worth I find my meaning I find everything in this group And you know this to be true because as soon as you graduate high school and you go your different ways or you graduate college and you go your different ways or you leave that job and go to the next job and that friend group gets exploded, your whole identity gets exploded with it. And then you're calling your mom or your dad again going, man, I just don't have any friends anymore. I'm going to have to go back to Walmart and maybe I'll just get a different kind of scent of dove bath soap while I'm taking my bath later on. I don't know. I'm just not fine. And then you find your next group of friends and you're like, ah, my mood has completely changed. It happens in relationships in that way. It also happens in your dating relationships. Some of us go, hey, the next thing in life is for me to jump into this dating relationship. And you're like on a Tinder or whatever websites you guys use today to find people, or you come to the table and you just kind of like, hey, can I pray with you, right? As your pickup line, not a strong pickup line. I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, I'm not saying I have tried it. I'm not saying I haven't tried it, I'm just saying. It's not the strongest pickup line, right? Uh, Anyway, so you do that, and you kind of, you're searching, and when you can't, like, you may have your little squad, but you you haven't found the other person, the significant other, and so you go and you talk to your squad. You're like, guys, I mean, if you can pray for me, I just need to find a girl. Or the girls are like, ladies, if you just pray for me, I'm trying to find a guy. There's no good guys in Orlando. There's no good guys in Orlando. Guys don't ask girls out in Orlando. Oh, my goodness. Like, all the guys, I just don't understand why they don't ask girls out in Orlando. Guys, market correction, just telling you, if that data's out there, there maybe girls and anyway, we, we won't talk about that later anyway right so you have these conversations this is what I'm saying and you have these conversations and then remember when you find that person and it's just like your whole world changes you're just like, oh, my goodness. Because inevitably, you start identifying less about me and more as we. Oh, the, it starts like this, right? Oh, this is my boyfriend. This is my boyfriend. Like, you, you find a way to force boyfriend into every conversation. Mm-hmm. Have you met him? He's my boyfriend. He's my boyfriend. Did you guys hear me in the back? He's my boyfriend, right? Uh, guys are the same way. They're just a little more chill about it. They're like... Yeah, we're together, right? Uh, that's, like, that's like yelling if you're a guy, right? Like, yeah, we're together. Yeah, like exclusive, right? Uh, but you're starting to find your identity, and then what happens? You break up. You're having a bathtub thing all over again, right? Because now your identity has been ripped from you. Listen, humans are going to let you down. Don't find your identity in people. Find your identity in Christ. Christ. But it also happens this way, right? You get married, and some of you guys are young marrieds in here. You get married, and you're like, yes, yeah, this is no longer my girlfriend. You have that one period where you could call them the fiancé or the fiancé, if you want to do that whole thing. And then you move into like, this is my wife, this is my husband, and it's awesome, and you love it. But then you guys have a fight, right? And you're just like, I still love you, but... Um, I am not super happy with you right now because of the way that you did the dishes, right? You just had this fight and your whole identity has been moving towards we being a couple and then you fight and it's, it's just, uh, right? And then you're just like, oh, I don't know who to talk to. You know, I, I learned I shouldn't talk about this. I can't talk to them. You're just, you're, and if your marriage is good, your identity is good. And if your marriage is going bad, your identity is bad and humans are gonna let you down. Don't find your identity in people, find your identity in God. But let me just go ahead and save you the worry, then you get to be an old 40-year-old, almost 41-year-old suburban dad and you have kids. And this is gonna happen for some of y'all, either biologically or through adoption or foster care, whatever situation you do, you're gonna have these little humans that live at your home and they act like you because you're socializing them and they, they may look like you because you dress like one another and they're there and you have this natural tendency to begin finding your identity in your kids. You live vicariously through them. You go to the soccer games, right? And so she's running down the field and she scores a goal and you're like, you're doing the Tiger Woods fist pump. You're looking at all the other parents. You're like, that's my kid. That's my daughter. Yeah, yeah. You're talking smack. You're like, man, your daughter is terrible. My daughter is awesome. She dominates your daughter on the soccer pitch, right? I'm not saying this is me. I'm just saying these are people that I know who have said these things at points. And I've just been a studious person writing notes, but see what's happening right now here you are finding your identity in your kids and when your kids are doing well you're doing well and when your kids are having a hard time you're doing poorly listen humans will let you down don't find your identity in humans find your identity in christ and remember that every relationship that you can be on in this earth every relationship it's a gift but it's a gift from god And so you find your identity in him, the only one who is stable through it all, the one in whom your image finds its origin, the one who made you into a beautiful downtown Orlando, that one right there, Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you locate your identity there, and when he becomes your mirror and your face, and he accurately reflects who you are to him, you find everything you need in life, and your life is this. Oh, man, stock market dropped. Okay, that's cool. My identity's in Christ. Oh, man, my wife and I are upset. Okay, my identity's in Christ. Oh, man, my kids are having a bad day. That's cool. My identity's in Christ. Oh, man, my kids are awesome at soccer. That's okay. My identity's in Christ. Oh, man, I broke up with a boyfriend. That's okay. My identity's in Christ. Oh, man, my girlfriend and I are having a great time. That's okay. My identity's in Christ. Paul says everything you need, you have in Jesus, and Jesus is in God. And he is the only thing who will never leave you or forsake you or ask you to like and subscribe or try to make money off of you or try to be transactional, he took his life and although it was perfect and although he deserved blessing and although we mess things up all the time and we deserve death, he said, here's the great exchange. I'll give you blessing and I will take your death and you can have it. Why? Because I love you, because I created you to be in a relationship with me. The beautiful city of downtown Orlando that is the table. And so here's how I want us to respond today to that. I want to spend some time praying together. I think some of our musicians are going to come on stage here, maybe play some piano, don't get distracted. I want us to sing a song together. And I want to invite some of our people who are some of our prayer team to come up and just kind of make their way to stage here, over there, over here. Here's my invitation Maybe you're someone today who is thinking through issues of identity. Maybe you've been putting your identity in a lot of your relationships, and you go, Lord, I think what you're telling me is that I need to stop trying to follow people, and I need to start following you in these relationships. If you're someone who needs some prayer in that, we would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. I'm going to be right here. Maybe you're someone who's here today, and you just have relationship struggles in general, and you're like, man, I don't know if it's identity, but I just could use some prayer for relationships. We would love to pray for one another. Maybe you're here today and you're saying This sounds really good But I don't know that I believe in Jesus yet But I want to I want to invite you to come and pray with us We would love to help you know How to believe in Jesus for the first time I invite you to stand if you're able We're going to sing a song together We're going to just let people move around as they need to If you could just turn to your neighbor and say be cool Yes you say be cool Okay, you're whispering, you're like, be cool, it's the response time, right? Be cool. People are going to move around. Let's just all be cool with one another. However, you need to respond today, we're down here. We'd love to respond with you. We're going to sing one sp- song together and respond together.